Good morning. So good to be here. I was thinking this morning, I hear people do this when they get on the stage. They ask people how they're doing. And I thought, you know, if I did that and really listened to all of their answers, it could be all over the place. And then I wonder, do people actually come to the center when they're only having good days? Or do we come here when we're challenged? I imagine both of those are so for different people at different times. This morning's theme is perfectly imperfect passions. And I want to start out talking a little bit about that imperfection, sort of the lostness. Has anybody ever felt lost? Recently, maybe. You know, um, I grew up with a perfectionist dad. I mean, (laughs) big time. And he was pretty good perfectionist. He was very competent. He had a lot of integrity. He did things well. And he made a point of doing things well. And he always looked like he knew how to be perfect. He set a high bar. And the one thing about living with him is I, I strove to be that. And, and I, I noticed that I could never reach that bar. I couldn't be good enough I couldn't make straight enough A's to get a good job from him. But if I stumbled, I heard about it. His emphasis always was on how the other people were missing the mark of his perfection. And it wasn't until I was a young adult that I realized that he was flawed and he couldn't admit his own flaws. And I really got to look at this thing of perfectionism, of the the flaw of perfectionism, because it is impossible for us to hit that bar of perfection in our human minds, in ourselves. There's always this super eager, do you recognize that part of you that always goes, ooh, a little bit more? Could do it a little bit better. That notices those stumbles. Reverend Edwards has been talking about the nature of the mind, and it really is that survival brain that's looking out for the problem. We all have it. We want to have that because there are things we want to be aware of and, and flee from or to stand up in, in fight of. So we are perfectly imperfect in every way. And I first, when I started thinking about my dad, I thought, I just want to kibosh this thing of perfectionism. But now I want to say, my dad was right. We're never going to be perfect enough. Oh, well. Can we be okay with our human expression? Because we are created as human beings. We did not make that up. And it's okay to be where you are. In that joy and that sorrow that Chris sang about in the song. It's okay to feel lost because it's part of the human condition. And so this thing, this month, we're talking about passions and purpose. And I was really happy to look into Christian Sorensen's book. 
living from the mountaintop. That's the book of our month. And he's not talking about excelling in our lives. He's talking about the mystical understanding. Because really, that's what we're here about. And what is that mystical experience? It's an experience of the unity of life. That from that higher view, we are an integral part of the one. And the one thing I know about life is it is what we are. And it knows how to be us. And so that corrective mind that's always wanting to be better and achieve more and get further along. is just a misunderstanding. Because life is being us perfectly right now. Now, I don't want to take away from our goals, our aspirations, our passions to to go out in the world and do and achieve and have these big, exciting adventures. We love those, don't we? We hear in our culture, follow your bliss. Do what you love. I actually talked to a congregant one time who had heard a minister in our movement say, If you don't love your job, quit it. And she went in Monday morning and quit her job. And then she called me up because all of a sudden she didn't know what she was going to do. Now, I don't know how things turned out for her, but I know that life is where she is. My job up here is not to tell you what to do. Because life knows how to be you. And that's what I want to remind you of again and again and again. We talk a lot in our movement about working with our thoughts. Think a better thought. Think in alignment with your prayer. The essence of this teaching isn't that we change our thinking to get better. We all want to get better, don't we? Yes, anybody? But we're not changing our thinking to get better. We're changing our thinking to move more in alignment and to awaken to who we are underneath the clouds and the stories of being imperfect. Do you get that? We are here to understand more fully of what we are, but we're convinced of these stories. I was coming in this morning, and it was foggy. It looked cloudy. It looked like, oh, it could rain, which is, would be a great thing. But I looked over, and I saw the sun pressing through the clouds, dispelling them. That's really what we're here doing is we're uncovering and dispelling those clouds and those stories that have us be less than. So that we can recognize that true love, that urge inside of us, that passion for what it is. Ernest Holmes, the founder of this teaching, says that there is an impulsion that drives and brings forth life. It is love. He calls it the cosmic urge. 
Now, I don't want to take away from your bliss in those exciting adventures we go on. But I do want to remind you that even in your hardest moments, that that wholeness and that goodness is right where we are. The thing that Ernest Holmes says about purpose is that the only purpose to be here on this earth, the only purpose of our lives is to live. And as Chris was singing in the song, that's going to look different for all of us. Because we're made unique. That's the design of the human expression, that we are unique. Some of us are going to have loud expressions. And some of us are going to have quiet expressions. But I want to invite you, as I always do, to turn within and to find that urge that is a divine calling within, not without. That's reminding us of our truth. So that we start from that unbrokenness. We start from that that's already enough and more than enough. Right here. We are not those experiences. We are not those feelings, no matter how deeply felt and how long carried within us. The great Buddhist teacher, Suzuki Roshi, said we're perfect as we are. And we could all use a little improvement. That's the human journey. So we do, in this practice, seem to get better and better. Our lives can get better and better. That's really what we want, isn't it? But we also are in this teaching call to listen to that. That's already okay. That's already deeply abiding as wholeness. Russ talked about prayer practitioners this morning. They're the backbone of our center because prayer is the backbone of this teaching. And prayer is that call home. That those urges and those passions that are calling us out in the world are first a call in to what is it I am and what is it that is mine to express. And it is going to be unique for each one. I just got back from Asilomar. It's our annual summer retreat. The place where Ernest Holmes spoke his famous and powerful sermon by the sea. It was his last public address. And I went down to Asilomar with my friend Catherine Jurek. Because she wanted to hear where our movement was headed. She wanted to see if what we were talking about seemed relevant to our world. And we were both heartened to hear that voice of talking about the world. So, yes, we're here with personal individual desires, wants, needs. But one of the things that I 
heard and I loved was that our conditions, and Ernest Holmes points to this, our conditions are calling us to prayer. Our conditions call us forth into our world. So when I'm suffering, I want to come home. I want to inquire within to what's the suffering. I want to listen first to what's mine to do right here. And these people at the at Asilomar were speaking to this. They were saying the world conditions. And there are a lot of them. And they're less than perfect. That these world conditions are calling us. Yes? We talk every week about our vision and our global vision. That calls us out to be something in the world. What's calling you? Because if we're living our life just looking at my little world and what makes me happy, what I want to fix or improve or get, then I'm ignoring a lot of creation. This is our world. Ernest Holmes would say, this is a reflection of our consciousness. We have a divided consciousness, us and them, good and bad. We have a world divided. And so we're called to respond. And from Ernest Holmes' direction, our call is to love. Our call is to bring that good. To stand in this truth. To be this expression more and more. The great metaphysician Thomas Troward. For any of you who have studied our teaching. He's the one that really spoke to the law and the using of the law. And yet in his writing, he says that really, really, what we're doing is becoming more and more and indeed more ourselves. We're coming home to what's already here. Ernest Holmes in that sermon by the sea said, we're not here saving the world. I don't know if we'll ever realize the global vision. That may be a radical thing for a religious science minister to say. I don't know. But I know that if I listen to it, it requires me to shift and open. Right? It requires me to become more in myself in response. We say this in our vision. That we are doing our personal work to realize global transformation. We say that. We say that every Sunday. We read that. Global transformation by our personal revelation of truth. That makes us more compassionate, more into integrity, more loving in our goodness into life. In response to all the people in our world. And I promise you, that's a big enough job. Don't you think? Yes, there's work to be done. And some of you will be actively out there. Marching, activists, running for office, feeding the homeless and the hungry. 
We all are contributing, but we're all contributing all the time with our consciousness. How is your consciousness? Are you open in that loving stance? I saw a documentary I've talked about here on the stage before. It was of these Tibetan nuns that had gone back to Tibet after the Chinese had run them out. It's easy to hide in Tibet because it's a hard place to travel. And they were climbing up into the mountains and they went back into their monastery. And this one young nun had just come out of silent meditation for a month. And the person doing the documentary asked her, why do you do this? And she said, with all the suffering in the world, what else can I do? That's a quiet but powerful, palpable expression in response. So some people will go inward and pray and live in that prayer. That's what Ernest Holmes invites us to do. You're not going to save the world, but pray every day. Are you praying? What's calling in you, in your heart? In 1963, as a young girl in Georgia... I heard someone calling and speaking that calling. The Lincoln Memorial, Martin Luther King Jr. stood up before this massive crowd and said, I have a dream. Do you have a dream? And is it calling from a recognition that you are connected to all of life? Does it include everyone? Peggy talked about in her prayer that inclusivity. No one can be left out of your prayer if it's true prayer. Can you hold that everywhere? Can you allow that to be your guiding force? Not as an accomplishment to be achieved. Because once we step out into the realm of accomplishment, we're in struggle. We're fighting conditions. But as a guiding force, loving kindness, integrity, compassion. That recognition that everyone on this planet has been brought here by the divine. Is made of that same stuff. That's a big calling for us. When I got home from Asilomar. And I was so happy to hear the voices. One from our spiritual leader. Who has stepped in after Edward. Sony Contrell. And she spoke to that vision. And one to our new ministers. One of the young people's. Speaking of life calling us. And no sooner do I get home filled up with this sense of this calling to be more in life. And one of my friends, practitioners, says to me, are we losing our ground of being? Because, you know, when I've spoken of this before, we used to be a movement 
that didn't talk about the world at all. The first time I ever spoke about the world conditions as a new minister, people got upset and they said, I come to the center to feel good. I don't want to hear about the life out in the world. But it's our world, is it not? We can lock ourselves in, surround ourselves in beauty and fun and niceness and nice people, but it's our world. And now we have shifted over and we're speaking out loud world conditions. And I think that's a good thing. Can we do do them both simultaneously? That's the call. That's the personal transformation that brings about global transformation. That we don't forget the ground of being. That we don't go to the centers to become activists. That we go to our centers to re-ground in who we are and that urge within us. And remember that urge comes from a source that is infinite. We are empowered to be who we are. And we all have our unique journeys. And what I know, I really know this, is that we're not broken where we are. One of the things that I hear so often from people who come to see me, this idea of what's my purpose. People wanting to find what they love to do because everybody has this idea, I have to do something that I love. And I have to have a purpose. And I love all of that. But I recognize, as I explored this, I could really feel it and see it, how much we have a cultural overlay that says you have to be something. Yes, you get that. It starts out when we're little kids. What are you going to be? We carry it into our adult conversation. Well, what do you do? We all want to know. What do you do? What are you? Let's start there. We have this overlay that has us struggling and efforting against ourselves. So I don't want to take away your drive for purpose and passion and loving what you do. I just want to remind you that that love is full-orbed where you are right now. The same way the sun is full-orbed no matter how thick the clouds can be. And we want to recognize that. We want to take time to feel that. Do you take time to feel it? To connect? To listen? One of the things that Ernest Holmes said in his textbook, in that early writing, he not only... Ask us to listen after we pray for what is ours to do. He invited us to listen before we pray. Listen before you pray for that that is yours to pray. What is it your inner being, your soul, your heart of hearts wants to know? Pray that. Be that. Martin Luther King became just a teacher, mentor, idol for me because he had that vision and that dream and he walked that. I'm sure he stumbled a lot, but he walked it. 
He walked that justice. He walked that peace. He walked that love and that inclusivity. He wasn't fighting against. He was standing for all people. What is your calling? If we're going to realize the global vision, we have to be it. Not just words that we say on Sunday morning. I'm not talking about an efforting. I've got to find the thing to do now. I'm talking about a listening. What's guiding you? What is that urge, that love within you directing you to be? Right now, we look too far away. Right now, can you feel it? And then give it voice. Right now, can you be that calling? Right now, can you be that love? Right where you are. Edward invited us last week to be angels for ourselves and whisper the things that we love. He invited us to be creative and find things in, in just in the moment. Not down the road, but just in the moment and do that that you love in the moment. Just pick something and do that. I invite you to be an angel for yourself and whisper your truth. Find that goodness in your being. Whisper the truth of your being, the goodness, the love, the wholeness of being. Because God knows we have enough voices that tell us otherwise. Do you have those voices? Sometimes they're outside in our world. And sometimes they're just in our own heads. But the thing that I had to learn and I've had to learn and remind myself and again and again and again is those voices have never, ever, ever been real. My dad's voice of you're never going to hit the mark was never the truth of my being. Those voices that tell you you have to do more, you have to be more to get better are not the truth of your being. What's calling you? It has to be the same thing. It's the divine in us and as us. It's that one life and it knows how to be you because it is you. And it doesn't have a corrective voice. That's the good news. It's not judging and assessing us where we are. It's saying you're here right now. I'm here. You're enough right now. Can we listen to that? For years, I used to go up to the Angela Center. Unfortunately, no more. But we used to go into the chapel on Wednesday mornings and pray and meditate. And you could walk into this room and it's a place that had been prayed in over and over and it felt juicy, alive. You know that feeling? Just filled up with prayer. It was palpable. I loved being there. Just walking in the room just felt like enough. And then one day, a group that was 
using the Angela Center was in our chapel on Wednesday morning and we went over to a meeting room. And we all sat down together, same group of women, and the room felt flat. That's all I can say, it just felt flat. It didn't have that juiciness. And I started to feel this disappointment in me. I missed that juiciness. And then I realized that we are what brings the juiciness to life. The reason the chapel felt so alive with prayer is people prayed in it. The reason your life feels how it feels is your job to pray it up, to pray yourself up, to whisper those words, to fill up on that love that lives at the center of your being so that you can be that love, so you can bring that love. And then when you hit that condition, that thought, that feeling, that experience, you come back to prayer. You pray it up. That's the core of our teaching. I remember when I was in ministerial school at the end, we had to go give talks, which was never my intention. And it was something I did under duress. But we got invited to these different centers who needed speakers. And I used to go up to Mendocino and Davis and give talks on Sunday morning. And I'd have these feelings, these experiences afterwards. I would feel like, oh, wow, that was good. I really hit the mark. Do you know those feelings? I felt in the zone. Yeah, I hope you had those experiences. I was right on, right there. Somehow it came through me, just right. And then I have talks that felt off. I don't know if they were off, but they felt off. My chattering voice was louder than my voice that told me, good job. But I just felt off. And I went back to the listening in in Edward's class on homiletics and the writing and giving of sermons. And he was talking about us and he kept telling us, we have to practice. You do this and you do that and you create this and then you practice and you practice and Early on, I'm going to say this out loud, and I think Edward's in the social hall. Early on, I threw that out. I thought, I can't do that. Because it doesn't feel real, and being real and authentic, and in the moment, it's all I know, it's what I bring. And so I stopped. But when I'd have these off days, I thought... Oh, well, maybe Edward was right, and I just need to prepare more and practice. But really, when I started investigating it, I realized that it wasn't about practice or not, preparation or not for me. It was about, am I connected? Am I grounded in myself? Am I open and available? So I invite you to investigate that. Am I grounded, connected? Am I open and available? Because the divine urge, that love, knows how to be you and express in your perfect expression. This is what prayer is. Coming back to that truth. And so let's do that right now. As we turn within, we simply recognize 
that abiding presence of life itself. It is the one source, it is that creative power that animates and unfolds in and through and as all. Nothing, no one left out. Here, alive, juicy, the very vitality of life, breathing every breath. Beyond all conditions, perceptions, ideas of this and that. There's a oneness, a wholeness, a vastness of being that surely is right here, right now in its fullness. Life not broken, not missing, not separate. We call it by many names. It is God, the divine spirit, love, life. The one intelligence right here. And so I know it as the very life of my life. There is nothing else. That that is given birth to me, birthing anew right now, that that expresses and infills me, that is the, that, that is the very stuff of which I am made. Right here, calling forth this moment. And so I know it absolutely as the truth of each and every one of us. No exceptions. No one left out. No condition, no feeling, no experience can take away from that truth, that divine urge living in and as us. It guides us, it directs us, it unfolds through us, and it is here, always abiding in this moment, right here. And so I simply open to this awareness. I make myself available to that that informs. It informs from the within. It informs from the without. For there is no in and out in the divine. And it is right here in each of us. Breathing every breath. Beating every heartbeat. And living as us. And all that is ours to know and do. Right here. Fully present. We are perfectly imperfect human beings living in the perfection of life. Here unfolding, bringing forth that love everywhere we are. Quietly, out loud, always giving forth that that we are. And that that we are is truly love. Under it all, through it all, love. And so I simply know and accept this as that greater opening, that surrendering into that divine embrace right now. And knowing it is this that unfolds and opens the way before, I simply let go into that sweet embrace, to that one power, that one presence right here. In gratitude for this call home in conscious awareness. I simply let this be. And so it is. Amen.